All right, lots of visitors this morning, and uh, here's our latest. He's a Toronto City Councillor in Beaches, East York, and running for mayor. Want your vote on Monday. He is Brad Bradford. I don't want to consider this an exit interview because you're not exiting. And uh, if you don't become mayor, you'll be right back in council chambers later this summer with a new mayor. You're not going anywhere. We're going to be there June 27th either way. Right. Right. And we will be fighting for all the things that uh, the feedback I've heard from Torontonians over the course of the campaign, fighting for affordability, community safety, unlocking the gridlock that's ground this city to a halt. And and families, new Canadians, seniors, all the people who want to call this city home, they are going to need a strong voice to champion that message at City Hall. And whether I'm in the mayor's office or I'm there in a councillor capacity, I am going to be there to work together to fight for those issues and get things done. Any skepticism about some of the polls you're seeing? I'm sure it gives you some sort of balance about it. I don't think we could deny there there has been a clear front runner, but so many of the percentages have fluctuated. And again, you know, to be honest, Josh Madlow last hour made the point like, who's answering landlines? Who's sitting through a three, four minute survey? And and are we even spreading ourselves wide in Toronto and surveying all the communities we need to be surveying? Is there any skepticism about the process for polls? Yeah, there is. Uh, I'm not delusional, but I, I haven't gotten a single call despite all the polls uh, for you know months now and all the different pollsters doing that work. My phone hasn't rang once. Do you have a landline? No, I don't have a landline. Right, so and, maybe... The, uh. And actually, it's funny, when we were rec- recording a voice blast at the beginning of the campaign, uh, they wanted us to record it on a landline. And I had to go through the Rolodex of my, my friend circle, and uh, it was actually my buddy's parents up in Don Mills. We had to go to their house to find a landline because I just I had no yeah. one in the orbit with a landline. So yeah, those are those are IVR polls. Haven't had anything on the cell phone, but look, like Olivia Chow is a front runner. Not disputing that, but you know the only poll that matters, of course, is June twenty sixth. Voters will decide. And uh, I've spent all afternoon at the doors uh, up at Lawrence yesterday. Very good feedback and a lot of undecideds. People tend to know whether they're on board with Olivia Chow's agenda or not. And if they're not on board, they're trying to figure out where they can park their vote right now to, to send a message for common sense at City Hall. And that's why people are, are looking at us and they like our message. I think there's so many people that have said to me, I like this person's two ideas. I like this person's two ideas. That's you and I have talked before. I feel very much like that politically where I'm like, I like what they're doing, they're doing and they're doing. But you don't have to like every everything somebody is doing. I that's the thing I, I look at and I go, this is this perfect storm of a lot of a lot of really engaged, really smart, really qualified candidates. Um, but there's almost too many of them. And and there's too many good, good candidates with good ideas that are going to split the vote one way. Yeah, I think our, our democracy is always better with with people involved and engaged. And it's a competition of good ideas. But I, I hear that all the time. It's like, oh, Brad, like I'm considering you and you know, candidate X, whatever. Like, uh, there's a lot of people who are trying to weigh what issues I suppose are most important to them. What is the ballot question for them? And this election, you know, frankly, the scrutiny um, on the platforms just hasn't been there. The scrutiny of the positions just hasn't been there. And so, you know, I think a lot of folks are kind of coming into June 26 on Monday and saying, you know, what's the ballot question? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's affordability. Uh, at the end of the day, the city of Toronto has never been more expensive and we continue to see an exodus of, of young families. Um, you know, we have 11,000 fewer families living in Toronto today than a number of years ago. They're moving out of the city. And that was the whole mantra of you you don't have to move to Hamilton if you don't want to. That's why my campaign was talking about that, because that is emblematic of the experience of so many young professionals, young families and seniors who have given so much to the city over the course of their lives. And now they're looking to 
to retire or to downsize, and they can't do it here. So I think affordability is top of mind for people. It often manifests in the form of housing, whether you're paying your rent or your mortgage. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives out there, and, and I think people are trying to land it as we head towards Monday. I've got a friend of mine um, near where I live, and we were talking Monday night. His daughter's uh, 25, graduated from law school, and is a lawyer. She's paying $2,200 in rent downtown, and she's a lawyer, Brad, and that's unsustainable. So you're not waiting tables, right? You're not driving uh, and and delivering food. You're not even working, you know, um, in this industry or another industry where you're you're kind of starting. You know things will get better. You know you'll make more money someday. You got student loans. If she can't sustain living in downtown Toronto, there's a whole generation of people who can't. You just nailed it. I mean, that is the the crux of the affordability crisis. There have always been folks who need additional support, extra help, um, socioeconomically marginalized. We've always had to take care of that community. That won't change. But the biggest risk to Toronto on a go forward basis is the individuals you know that we're talking about a TTC bus driver, mechanic, a teacher, a nurse, even a young lawyer who's articling. If they can't afford to live in this city, the future success and prosperity of Toronto will be jeopardized. And you know we have two hundred and fifty thousand new Canadians coming here to the city every year. We need that immigration. We need to be a magnet for talent and investment. Um, but we're we're competing with markets around the world, and the value mm-hmm. proposition you know for us versus San Francisco or New York or other places, we always traded on the affordability piece and that is slipping away and that's why i've been very clear in my campaign we need more housing we have to be able to deliver it faster more economically we can't afford the delays anymore and you know olivia chow's approach is to build more bureaucracy to build more housing it's the complete opposite thing of what we need to do we need to get out of the way work with the not-for-profit sector work with builders to unleash more housing for all of these these immigrants these new folks who are building their hopes and aspirations in toronto they need to be able to afford to live here i know you've advocated a lot. Um, it's our first chance to ask you about it. Um, since a lot of this cafe TO stuff has gone down, there's been some very public incidents of uh, permits being denied or delayed. We're already in the middle of June, in essence. Um, you and I like a good patio once in a while, but we've kind of those places have missed almost eight, nine weeks of what we'd call patio season. What's what's the explanation for why it hasn't gone well? Oh, it's nuts. I mean, uh, I was out with Tom at Barvolo, which is a, a nice watering hole just off of Young Street. Uh, they've been around for 30 plus years. They recently moved locations. And for the past three years, they've had a patio on a back laneway. It hasn't been a problem. It required a bit of, you know, working with staff, working with Toronto Fire, making sure the ingress and egress was there. Um, but this year, the city said no. And You know why? Well, it, it was a turning radii issue, but they had solved that. Every year prior, we stand up this new process and and I am supportive of the new process. I think that there there is a cost and a miss during the program. It's certainly a revenue generator for businesses. All of that is good. But for the first time, when we are asking for money, while we are formalizing these patios, making them better with with street furniture and, and the um, and the decking surfaces. We've made it harder. We've made it more expensive and we failed to deliver on time. And that is because of a lack of accountability and a lack of prioritization. And you've seen even over the past couple months, like some of these things are slipping. That's right. And that's why we need to usher in a new era of accountability at City Hall. I worked in the civil service. I worked in the chief planner's office. I saw it myself. And that's why I believe in the power of mayor's mandate letters for our top civil servants and the heads of all of our agencies to be to be accountable to Torontonians on the services that we're going to deliver. Let's work more on, uh, on that issue in that conversation. Talk more about what you're uh, hoping for on Monday. 833... 
Brad Bradford's in with us, city councilor and mayoral candidate uh, website. Vote not, Bra- not, you, not just your favorite, like ESPN or something. Just give us the your website, actually. VoteBradford.ca. Vote that that Bradford. one's Ca. mine, not uh, not the other ones. VoteBradford.ca. Okay. We were talking about, um, and and you've seen this, uh, an element of gridlock. I'm sure people come to you. You and Josh Madlow are the only current city councilors. But you could put this at, at Anna Bylaw's doorstep. You sure could. Um, people saying, well, how come this is happening now? Multiplexes. People probably asked you, why? where were multiplexes 10, 12 years ago? But I'd ask you to, like, let's look through the front of the car, not the rearview mirror. If Olivia Chow is mayor, you return to council, Josh Madlow returns to council. There, there are councillors that supported her and have endorsed her, but there's many that haven't. Do you look and say she'll need strong mayor powers with 25 councillors to get things done? How how will things get done, bang, 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 in terms of policy and in terms of implementation? You know what? I saw it when I was a staff member in the chief planner's office, which is why I ran for council in 2018. So many of these career politicians just don't want to make a decision. They just punt it to the next meeting, punt it to the next term. That was the story of Multiplex. When I was working there, these are, these are uh, neighborhood-oriented apartments uh, that are going to be so important for our rental supply going forward. Back in 2015, people didn't want to touch it. And it was only once I became the chair of planning and housing at the beginning of this term that we were able to get that over the line and end exclusionary zoning across the city and make sure that we have more housing for more people. But there, there is a real tendency for political gridlock at City Hall, which is why I've been unequivocal and very clear when it comes to housing, transit, and infrastructure that supports growth, I would be a strong mayor of action. I don't think Torontonians can afford to wait any longer. And we saw a little bit of a preview uh, you know, of what an Olivia Chow mayoralty would look like last week when, you know, some of the NDP-oriented councillors tried to delay an appointment to the TTC board. Um, right. And very qualified candidates that had gone through the public appointment process. So you start politicking with that stuff. People lose confidence in the process. They say, why would I even bother applying if it's just going to be political appointments? And and they wanted to delay that. And I I turned over to a colleague of the NDP persuasion. I said, this is this is horrible politics. Why are you doing this? Uh, and they said, we're in politics, Brad. And uh, it ended It ended up failing. The motion ended up failing. And so, you know, maybe they will need uh, strong mayor powers to, to move their agenda forward. But at the end of the day is Torontonians are tired of waiting for housing they can afford. They're tired of the, the gridlock that's, you know, dri- driven our, our vehicles to a halt. And they're tired of not feeling safe on transit. Well, it's the hardest thing. Yeah, it's the hardest level of government to get things done. And and though I, I when I look at majority governments or even what the confidence and supply the liberals have right now at the federal level with the NDP, I do think I, I wish people would go against their own party more. I wish people would speak their mind more. I think we actually see that in the states a ton more than Canada. Republicans don't always vote along party lines. Democrats sure don't vote along party. big issues, right? Whether it's something that's socioeconomic or a war or whatnot. Sometimes people really do vote for their conscience. You have to at City Hall, but at the same time, that gets in the way of uh, of getting things done when you need a majority. Yeah, and, and so, like, you want strong leadership that's able to make the case. You know, someone who can take a position, articulate a, a cohesive argument, and make the case to bring your colleagues on board. Uh, and I would say that there's a lot of folks in the council chamber that are open to that. They are open mm-hmm. to that, especially when you're talking about the issues that matter to people. And I just hear every day, affordability, safety, gridlock, over and over and over. That's what I'm going to be focused on. But, uh, you know, there are some folks in that chamber, uh, particularly particularly of the the more NDP persuasion, and they do operate as a party. They caucus together before every big meeting. They, you know, they assign the work. They know 
what the position is going to be and they know where the votes are going to be. Uh, they haven't had a majority on council. And so that is where, you know, if, if Olivia Chow is the next mayor, uh, she is going to have to find ways to work together with people if she doesn't want to be a strong mayor. Uh, and, and if she wants to get things done, she, she is going to have to find a way to. But are, are you worried you're going to have four or five councillors? I mean, the obvious one would be Stephen Holiday, but there'd be a few others who will just say no, no, no to everything she proposes, even if it's a good idea because of the political disengagement and, and not being aligned. Well, Stephen Holiday, who I like quite a bit, uh, he he has a tendency to say no to everybody on, on no just kidding. about everything. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't think that one's on her vote <laughs> scorecard. I don't think she's counting the holiday vote. But there there are some reasonable people in there. And like I said, I have said I will work with whoever the next mayor is, if it's not me, uh, to get things done for Torontonians, as long as it's in that space of priorities around affordability, safety and unlocking the gridlock. If it's not, then there may be points of contrast. And that that's what the democracy is all about. I am going to represent the families and the seniors and the new Canadians I've heard from across the city about their priorities. And if we stray from that, well, you know, I will make that point as well. Since we're talking about Chow, are you worried about a potential not great relationship with the police? And I ask that because I, I think it was fair criticism sometimes that John Tory had too positive a relationship with police and didn't call them out when certain things went wrong and, and when certain things were um, an overreach in terms of law enforcement. Um, should, should a mayor be on the police services board? Is that a conflict of interest? We'll leave it for another day. But are you worried, Olivia Chow, Myron Demke, the police force that we have, so important right now, if you would deny that, uh, won't be on the same page on issues? You know what? Community safety comes up every single day. And um, I think the model of policing needs to evolve in a thoughtful way. More more resources directed to mental health crisis response, social work. You know, frontline officers are not marriage counselors. They're not best positioned to deliver these services. So we have to stand up a new model, and we're doing that. But if you go back to Olivia's time on council, you know, whenever that was a couple decades ago, uh, it was a fractured relationship with police. She was actually yeah. on the police board and engaging in protests at the same time. You know, if, if, if she is in a position of leadership, you, ha you have to have a, a government mentality and you can't be an activist anymore. And so that means working together with everyone, listening, listening to the diversity of views and perspectives and making sure that common sense prevails and and safety, uh, community safety, policing. That is one of the core services delivered by municipalities. We do a lot of things for a lot of people. And you can have a conversation about what mm -hmm. our priorities mm -hmm. ought to be. But certainly community service, uh, safety, emergency services, that is core to municipal government. And you have to be able to work with our first responders, uh, whether that is fire, police, EMS and others uh, to make sure that Torontonians can rely on those emergency services when it matters most. Brad Bradford's in studio with us, of course, on 640 Toronto. Watch your vote on Monday uh, to become the next mayor of Toronto. Um, these conversations obviously swell up from the ground. We just saw uh, a councillor endorse another candidate today. Has anyone called you and asked you to drop out and endorse them? You know what? I there's been lots of conversations. Uh, I probably talked to Josh Matlow's team the most. Uh, They're calling you? Well, we, we see each other at debates, right? And so that that's more what I mean. I talked to Saunders. I talked to Matlow. I talked to Mids. I talked to everyone. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Like, you know, we're sparring on the debate stage, to be sure. And if anyone's tuned in and was able to sort of take anything out from all the crosstalk, you can tell there's passion there. We're all passionate. We care. But backstage, it's uh, it's not dissimilar from this. Like, it's friendly, uh, collegial. Uh, at the end of the day, everyone's 
running for office because they care. They want to make a difference in the city that they love. I have a tremendous amount of respect for all of the 101 other candidates who put their name on the ballot because it's it's an investment of time and energy. Uh, sometimes it can be hard on your mental health, and everyone yeah. wants to do the right thing. Um, consolidation, you know, the, the the conversations around that are always challenging. Uh, I'm fighting for the people that I hear from every day. I'm fighting for affordability for families and safety and unlocking the gridlock. And the assumption that votes just get marshaled from one candidate to another. It never works that it's, way. It's I not know. true. I know. I, I know for a fact, like, you know, second ballot support for all of the candidates because, you know, we've done the research. It, it, it scatters across the entire field because people support different candidates, as you said off the top of the conversation, for different reasons. Maybe, maybe transit mm. safety is your number one issue. Maybe housing affordability is your number one issue. Maybe for some folks, it's Ontario Place. So you can't just assume that because somebody stands up and says they're supporting candidate X now, that that marshals all, all of the vote support over there. It doesn't work like that in reality. I hear that. Well, I know how hardworking um, uh, a campaign you've run, and I think it's been a respectful one as well. Uh, and I think we need more of that in our uh, in our civil discourse. Thanks very much for the time today. Love being here. See you soon. Brad Bradford joining us on Toronto Today.